But uh, before I begin my homily, I would like to express my gratitude to all of you. Two weeks ago, we had a missionary priest from South Sudan, Father Dutt, and he came here to make an appeal to, to all of us to support him in his work, the great work that he is doing. So our collection was, was incredible. Um, we collected over $25,000 for him in a second collection. So congratulations and thank you, all of you. Now, you all know the events that has happened in, in the last 10 days, the last week or so. And uh, I think it's very important that, uh, as the pastor here, that I say to you to um, please keep uh, all victims of violence in your thoughts and prayers. Because after the media moves on to something else, uh, people's hurt and woundedness is still there. So let us pray for their healing and their peace. I'm not going to address that in my homily today, but rather I'm going to focus on that beautiful second reading from St. Paul. And St. Paul gives us a tremendous example in the whole story of Abraham, our father in faith. He focuses on Abraham for a very special reason. Because of Abraham's uh, trust and, and generosity, towards God. I was once in the Vatican as a tourist outside in St. Peter's Square, and the tour guide started the tour at the obelisk. The obelisk is that big stone pillar in the center of St. Peter's Square. And he opened it by saying, before Abraham was born, this obelisk, this stone pillar, stood in Egypt. And it is uh, dated, like the guessing, about 2,500 years BC. And it was eventually brought to Rome about 30 years BC by one of the, the emperors. And it is standing there in, in the middle of St. Peter's Square. So I thought that was fascinating. Before Abraham was born, that obelisk existed on the earth. So we're talking about a very ancient time and a very ancient understanding of, of God. And that is why when God spoke to Abraham, he didn't know who God was. His understanding of God was what he got from civilization around him, which today would have, we would consider very cruel and very, very primitive indeed. But yet Abraham left his own people. And it says in Scripture, he became a wandering Aramean. He was a nomad. Probably in today's language, we could say he became a refugee. And he journeyed from place to place because of a promise that God made him. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky or the sand in the seashore. Abraham trusted this promise that God would create a people uh, in his name. And it must have been very difficult because not only did Abraham journey to different territories and different lands, 
but also he had a pilgrimage of an understanding of God. And this emerging understanding of God came to a defining moment when Abraham and his wife Sarah had a child in their old age. And God told him to go on a journey for three days and to sacrifice his son. And Abraham was willing to do that, but he still trusted in him. And his son Isaac said to him, Father, where is the ram that we are going to sacrifice it? God will provide. So it was a turning point in the life of Abraham. And the turning point was with his understanding of God. Now we all know the story that Abraham didn't sacrifice his son. Instead, he sacrificed the ram that God provided. But what happened at that moment was a deepening, a decisive, a defining moment in the life of Abraham in his relationship with God. And the defining moment was God's condemnation of any ideology that brings harm to other human beings. And that's a very profound moment in, in Abraham's understanding of, of who God is about. Today, we call an ideology like that terrorism. And those who bring harm to other people, we see it's, it's, it's rampant in some parts of the Middle East, those who bring harm to other people because of an ideology we call terrorists. So what Abraham is, is coming to understand is that God's utter condemnation of any harm because of an ideology or a religion that comes into people's lives. This whole pilgrimage that Abraham began moved on through the centuries, especially with Moses and the prophets. And God spoke to Moses, and in God speaking to Moses, God said, you will be my people and I will be your God and you will live in such a way that everybody will know who I am. What God was inviting them into was what Paul VI called beautifully a civilization of love. And that is what God wanted to establish here on earth, a civilization on love on earth as it is in heaven. And that journey comes to completion in Jesus Christ. And Christ's pilgrimage on earth began with his baptism in the River Jordan. And we see what he did. After he was baptized, he went out and he went to the last, the least, and the lowly those who were most vulnerable, those who were most excluded. Because what Jesus wanted to do was to recreate a new people of God, a new people who would be God's people, who would live in such a way that uh, everybody would know who God is. The intimacy, the love, the forgiveness, the joy that, that God wants to give to all human beings. And his life came to a defining moment also. And that defining moment was in his passion and death and resurrection. And in his passion, death and resurrection, um, Jesus uh, on the cross spoke the words, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. 
And when we look at the cross and at the crucifixion, we have to remember that at that moment, what God was saying to us, and what God was saying was an utter and a complete and unconditional condemnation of all violence from one human being to another. And that is a very profound statement from God. It was a total condemnation of all violence from one human being to another. And once again, we see as St. Paul telling us in that reading how the journey continues in the people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke and lived for what he called the kingdom of God. St. Paul rephrases that and says, Jesus is Lord. And once again, what the kingdom of God was about, that Jesus spoke about, was a civilization of love. And what Paul, when he speaks, Jesus is Lord, it is inviting people to create a civilization of love as well. Paul gives a very example, good example of this when he speaks about it um, in Galatians. And he says that the kingdom of God and what Jesus is about, what the whole pilgrimage from Abraham on is about, is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's plan for the world, justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does justice mean in Scripture? It means a right relationship. It means a fair relationship. A right relationship with God. A right relationship with yourself. A right relationship with other people. That means all people that walk this earth. A right relationship with them. And most importantly today, a right relationship with creation and how threatened creation is, not so much for me, but for subsequent generations. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. The importance of us paying attention to a right relationship uh, with creation and a care for creation that we live in today. Peace is much more than an absence of war. It is that people can live their lives with a sense of security and a sense of well-being. It's an absence of um, an, an absence of a way of relating to other people in hostility. And it is an invitation to relate to other people out of a spirit of solidarity. And that moves me on to the whole area of joy in the Holy Spirit. That every person here in the whole world has been given tremendous gifts by God. And we see it. I see it every day. I saw it last night in the emergency room at Condell Hospital. Wonderful people caring for the sick. Everybody has been given great gifts to make this world a better place. And everybody should be given the opportunity to bring their gifts to life the opportunity to use them and the opportunity to, to spread those gifts and share those gifts with all of humankind so that what God's plan for the world will come about. The gospel of the day can come across as a very severe gospel. 
It is a gospel that um, talks about being flogged, being beaten with a cane, if you don't do God's will. I think we can, a better understanding of that for me is that God invites us, all of us, to work together to bring about a civilization of love in the world in which we live in today and to be on guard against the evil one. The two words for the devil, Satanus and Diabolus, the divider and the accuser, division and accusation against other people does not come from God, it comes from the evil one. It is the very name of the devil, Satanus and Diabolus. And what God is saying to us in scriptures and in the gospel of today is, I have given you gifts. I have given you an invitation. I have given you my trust to bring about a civilization in the world in which you live in, in your families, among your friends, in society, in every area and sphere in which you operate. You are being invited to overcome accusation and division to bring about the kingdom of God. I believe the punishment that Jesus is speaking about is, if you go through this life and you are indifferent to bringing about a civilization of love, or if you go through life and you're working against a civilization of love, when you meet Jesus Christ face to face in the next life, I believe that that punishment will be one of profound regret, that the wonderful blessings and gifts that God has given you, that you have not used to bring about a civilization of love, where all people can live in justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit.